Hey guys, it's Elaine, host of Raising Deaf Kids, where we get weekly encouragement, education, and feel empowered to raise our deaf kids as hearing parents together. So grab your coffee and let's get started. Today, I have the pleasure of introducing our guest, Amy Sullivan. After releasing her first EP in 2021, Amy Sullivan found herself drawn to the special needs community as she shared her own struggle and story of parenting a child with a diagnosis. She began to cultivate an online community for parents, and she realized the most common theme is that most mothers on this journey seem to struggle with isolation and not being part of a community. While many in-person support groups are running again, not everyone has access to one. There's so many moms who don't have someone in real life that they can talk to and understand the highs and lows of the journey with a special needs child. Since the idea of being able to reach each of these moms was impossible, it was time to come up with another way. And the idea of Dear Mama Mail was born. And with it, the chance to connect and encourage with even the most isolated moms out there. So through Dear Mama Mail, Amy sends a physical card. It's like a postcard each month. And moms are able to look forward to something arriving in the mail that's just for them. Something they can tangibly hold and come back to in the future on the hard days when they need the most encouragement. With every month focused on a different topic close to the special needs mama's heart, Recipients can expect to be supported on themes like dealing with a diagnosis, feelings of loneliness, finding gratitude, and hope for the journey. I have to say that I just loved having the conversation with Amy. She is so encouraging. She's been through special needs with her children who are now teenagers, and she just has a great outlook and advice for parents who are maybe just like starting the journey with special needs kids or in the middle of it. Um, and I just appreciate her perspective so much. We talk about Dear Mama Mail and she gave us a code just for our audience to use. We also talked a lot about, about setting boundaries around the holidays with your kids. I cannot wait for you to get this information and get into this episode. Without further ado, here's Amy. Hi, welcome back to the Raising Deaf Kids podcast. And I have Amy Sullivan on the show today. Hey, Amy, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me today. Of course. And I brought Amy on because she has some experience with special needs kids like we all do on this podcast, right? So this podcast talks about raising deaf kids, but very often deafness or hearing loss is like only a part of the diagnosis that a lot of kids have. And so, you know, sometimes we call it deaf plus. So hearing loss is one part, but, you know, maybe they'll have a syndrome or something that is causing other things too, you know, other medical challenges. So, you know, I think the audience is going to get a lot out of what you have to say today. And Amy has got a fantastic business that helps other parents of special needs kids in such a unique um, and awesome way. And I can't wait to start talking about it with you. (laughs) 
So I would love to start, why don't you, in case our audience for some reason is not following you yet, you know, just start out a little bit with kind of your experience and your journey kind of leading you like up to this point. Yeah, so I, my background is actually in music. I'm a singer songwriter and I had grown up singing in the church and had put out a few little singles here and there. And then I had stopped to start a family and live a normal life. I married my high school sweetheart and we ended up having three kids. And when my oldest son was on the path to being diagnosed with Tourette syndrome, I started to feel the draw back to music. And I really felt God saying to me, you know, you could write songs for other families like yours. And so that's how I sort of got pulled back into music. And in doing that, and I would say probably, so I have then since then released several, an EP a few years back. And so there's music out there, which we can put links down below for anybody who wants to check that Absolutely. out. So getting, getting involved in social media and sort of finding this connection with other special needs families, I sort of started to write more. And I tend to write very lyric based for when with songwriting, it's always my thoughts and it's what I'm processing, what I'm going through with our life. And it's usually, you know, since special needs is so integrated in everyday life, it's really sort of been about my story. And I kind of started leaning a little bit towards, you know, writing blog posts and writing social media posts. And the pandemic hit and we sort of had this idea of how can we really reach moms right where they are? And that's how Dear Mama Mail was born. And just to sum it up quickly, it's a monthly postcard that I like to refer to it as a love letter from my heart to another mom's heart. Because regardless of diagnoses, I think we all sort of feel the same emotions. We go through a lot of the same experiences. So it's just a way for me to reach a mom and encourage her through various topics. The first one is about diagnosis and processing through all of that and so each month you sort of get just a little encouraging note something you can physically hang on to in this digital age that comes directly to your door that's signed by me prayed over by me as I'm preparing them to be sent out and so that's how the whole thing has started and that's what we're up to at the moment yeah, I love that. And you have such a great perspective because I'm assuming that a lot of these postcards, when you're writing them, you are probably taking from your own experience with your child as well. Um, and, yeah. you know, yeah. And that's something that we talk a lot about and we like to normalize on this podcast. I know you said that like your for your first postcard is about acceptance through like the diagnosis. And um, that is definitely something we talk about on our, our podcast and like to normalize that there's like an acceptance period, um, no matter the diagnosis. Um, and I was curious if you felt that, um, you know, because most, I would say most people, unless you have something in your family, you know, they definitely don't see hearing loss coming, you know, and most others don't see, you know, any other challenges coming when you decide to have a child that's not you know in your thought process and then it's something that you kind of get thrown into you know and then as far as you know things like maybe Tourette's and hearing loss there's no way to prepare until your child is born because like hearing loss you you don't know until the child is born 
And, you know, specifically with that, most, like the statistic is 90% of kids with hearing loss are born, born to regular hearing parents. And so you are parenting a child that has like a very different experience from your own. Um, and it sounds like you had a similar experience. So I would love to know, maybe we can help the audience through this. You know, what was that acceptance period like for you? I'm assuming this was probably not something that you, you know, thought about having to go through with your child. Yeah, I think just from hearing of other people's stories now that I've been doing this for a few years, it seems you either are suspicious that something is a little off and then you get the confirmation that's the diagnosis or it comes completely out of the blue and it's a full shock and you have no idea, you know, no expectations about it at all. And that was the case with us, with our first son. Our second son now also has the same diagnosis. So we were a little suspicious with him because now we knew what to look for, but we had no Tourette syndrome in either side of our family. We had no idea what it was or what it looked like other than what we had seen in the media. So we were suspicious that something was maybe a little off, but it was a complete shock. We thought he just maybe needed some physical therapy or, you know, just a, a small little twitch to the routine type of thing. So that was an absolute shock. And I'm a very, I like to have a plan. I'm an organized person. I like to research. So I went into full on advocating mode where just trying to learn everything possible about it and I think the moment of diagnosis is just so pivotal in all of our lives because it changes everything whether you saw it coming whether it's coming out of nowhere it's that like anchor moment where from then on okay it's official how do we handle things and so I think for me my son just turned 16 in July and I think he was around eight years old or so when he was officially diagnosed. And with Tourette syndrome, you need to have um, a full year of both uh, motor and vocal tics to get the official diagnosis. So, you know, we've been at this for a little while, but it's a moment I still think of often because it really did just implode our life. It really blew everything up. And I've been talking about this actually on Instagram this week of processing through that and things I wish I owned back at the moment of diagnosis and maybe the boundaries to set. And I feel like there's a lot of things to process. I'd actually made up some journaling prompts that may be helpful to your audience as well of just going through and saying, how am I going to handle unsolicited advice? What do I need to get rid of to make space now that this is happening? What do I need to add? How am I going to take care of myself so I can take care of my child? just a whole bunch of things that at the time you're just sort of in shock, you know, and you, it's hard to process anything, but looking back, I still, I'm constantly reevaluating these things. Now that I'm trying to work, my boys have sort of, sort of been in and out of homeschooling, depending on how they're doing. So still at this point, my life is still sort of up and down, waxing and waning with things. And it's a constant reevaluation of, are we handling this properly? Can we be doing something different? Do we need to look into this further? It's just, yeah, I think, and that's the practical side of it. Then you have the emotional side of grief and how do I navigate all of that? And why is this happening to us? And, you know, there's so many emotions on the, the diagnosis side as well, that it's a difficult thing to deal with. And I think it doesn't just stop on that day or a few years into it. I think probably for the rest of our lives, we'll be processing of, What's happened and how do we handle it the best we can? 
Yeah, no, I love that. And that is definitely something is we talk about the grief. I think this has come up on just about every podcast episode that I've had so far, because it is such, and it's, to me, it's such an integral part to be able to go through that. And then you can help your child better when you're on the other side of it. And so it is not an easy process to go to, but I think a necessary process to then be able to advocate better because, you know, like you said, and I would love to talk about that is you're also, whether or not you should, or you want to answering to other people, right? You're, you're having to help your kids navigate the world. And so that also means like telling extended family, (laughs) telling friends, people, on the street, come up and ask you questions, you know, or make comments. And so you're also dealing with the outside world and all of their thoughts and all of their opinions, which are usually just based on like a snapshot of what they've seen on social media or, you know, some type of like stereotype that they like grew up with, you know, people who are trying to give you advice who don't actually like know the situation, you know, while you're also trying to just like do the best that you can for your kid and, you know, go through that acceptance process yourself. So it's kind of, it's like an inside and an outside and it is a lot, you know, and I love to encourage parents to try to go through that process, at least within yourself, because it makes you a better parent and it doesn't make you a bad parent. I think a lot of parents think like, I'm a bad parent if I'm upset about this, or I'm not fully like accepting my child if I am like grieving, I'm upset that they got this diagnosis. And I tell parents like, absolutely not. It's just that things turned out differently than you thought or like hoped. And it doesn't mean that you can't pivot and switch, but you need to like deal with that first. And so I would love to talk about because you mentioned unsolicited advice, which I think is something that hasn't quite come up, but I know our listeners have talked about is when like friends and family members say stuff that is not helpful (laughs) or, you know, say, and you know, I want to say they may not even be meaning to, they just don't have the education that maybe you do because, you know, like you just mentioned when we're moms, we dive into the research, right? We, you know, our kids have the diagnosis. Okay. We accept it. Now we want to figure out everything that we can. And so it's kind of like we've done all the research, but then I think a lot of times we forget that other people are just learning about this diagnosis for the first time and haven't done the research and don't have the information that we have. So it falls on us to educate, but that also feels like a lot and is also hurtful when people, you know, are telling us like, I'm sorry about that. Like, I think that people just don't know how to respond. You know, I have family members when, you know, so I have two, three, I have three kids, two boys who are deaf and hard of hearing in a hearing little girl and mine are younger, mine are seven, five and two. And my five-year-old, he, so my two boys have cochlear implants and my five-year-old, his cochlear implants don't fully give him sounds. And so he uses sign language. So I had an extended family member when I told them that the cochlear implants didn't give him full sound and that he also like uses sign language. They told me, oh, like what a shame. And then I like, had to hold my tongue because we were at a like family thing but I also had to educate and be like it's not because we're learning sign language and like that's okay you know what I mean so I would love to hear what your advice is for when you're getting that unsolicited advice or people who maybe are even well-meaning but are saying the wrong things 
Yeah, it's such a hard thing to navigate. And I find for me, it's always coming at a time where I'm like either dealing with something and I can't have the patience to like respond back in a way, that, you know, that's um, necessarily like informative. Like you say, like, I don't want to put the burden on me to educate you. If you're in our life, you could probably, you know, email I send or, you know, do research on your own. So yeah. there's that. But I think for me, what's helped is to sort of have like a pat answer ready for say a stranger that's like, oh, what's going on there? You know, it's helpful to have something in your mind that you can either just shut it down quickly mm-hmm. or you're not, you know, grasping at straws unprepared. I that's think a great idea. as well, just sort of boundaries. And this is one of my regrets of when our kids were really little, we were like totally in the thick of things of not wanting to upset other like extended family, say going for Christmas or doing and just thinking like, well, we want to keep things as normal as we can. And we want to show up for all these things, knowing that it was going to explode our life for the next three days, trying to get on track with routines and that sort of thing. So I think it's so important to sit down and think, but what's best for us? Because really your family loves you and they want what's best for you. So it's worth sitting down and saying, you know what, it's going to mess up our nap. Maybe we go, we go and we leave early. Maybe we come a bit later and sort of not being afraid to say what you need because your family does want you to have success with this stuff. And if you explain, you know, this will be helpful for us. Our kids will have a better time. It's going to help us over the next few days. And I think, like you say, the biggest thing is just being unaware of what it's like on a 24 hour basis, because they're not in our homes. They don't see that these things don't take a vacation. This isn't going to stop while we go and have, you know, cake at grandma's house for Easter. It's, it's a 24 hour thing. And I tend to look at it from, you know, unless it's like a horribly rude, ignorant comment that they're just trying to be helpful. And so if you look at it like they don't understand, but they're trying to be helpful, then that can keep from hurting my feelings and taking it too personally. And then I think of myself before all of this happened. And I was completely clueless until I had done all the research of like, what does a tick look like? And how are you supposed to handle this? And I had no idea as well. So I often think when people say something to me, well, they just don't know. And if you look at it from their hopefully coming from the perspective of just trying to say something and feeling uncomfortable themselves of like, how do I handle this? How do I tell you, I feel bad for you without making you think, you know, like this, it's a tricky, it's just a hard situation. And I feel like even myself, we have, you know, fair, fairly long shopping lists of of diagnoses that go with Tourette syndrome, but there's, I've never dealt with a child that has hearing difficulty. We've never dealt with autism. So I still find myself like, oh, I want to make sure I don't say the wrong thing. So I really think, especially as a family member, it may come off as ignorant or rude, but it has to be coming from a place of love because they do love you and they're trying to probably just be helpful and, and if you have a chance, maybe not in that moment, you know, if your child's having a meltdown and they make a comment, then that's probably not the time to, you know, inform them, <laughs> do the education piece, but maybe it's worth circling back later and just saying, you know, just so you know, I know you thought they were just, you know, being bratty or having a temper tantrum, but what actually was going on was this, this, and this, and, you know, giving them a chance to understand, because I think most people want to understand and want to know and it's maybe just, you know, their approach of 
how to get that information is not always helpful on, on our side of things. You know, that's what I would say. I don't know. I'm still learning too, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I love, and I love what you said about having like kind of a script or like a go-to phrase for in the moment when, you know, something is being Mm -hmm. said and, but you know, your child is having like a meltdown or your child is, you know, having like trouble hearing and is acting out because of that like when you're in the middle of a situation you're right that's not (laughs) the time you gotta like focus on your kid that's not the time to do education and I love the idea of having like a go-to script to just like have something to say that's like respectful and you're not just like "Ah," like (laughs) getting upset because it's a stressful situation when you're when you're in the middle of a situation like that to kind of calm everyone down and I love the idea of circling back around for education, because I agree. I think most people, especially if they are like your family and close friends, for the most part, do want to understand and they do want the education. They just, they haven't had the time to like process that you have. Because like you said, these people are not like in your home every day. Like you've had a lot of time to process. You've had a lot of time to learn because like you said, you do this 24, seven, seven days a week. This is like a lifestyle. Like, (laughs) you know, this is your regular life and it's not other people's regular life. And when they only maybe see you at Christmas or see you at Thanksgiving or see you, you know, four times a year, they don't like know the full extent of it. And they just have not had the experience of being around someone with whatever like, you know, medical need or, you know, hearing loss that your child has had. So they have not had as much time to learn. And so I love the idea of coming back and like calmly saying this was what was actually going on or being really honest and saying, you know, this is what you can do to help my child hear better. This is what you can do. Kind of give them a job, you know, because I, I think I agree that a lot of people also want to help. They just don't know what to do, <laughs> which is right. I mean, you know, and I agree with you. You know, I, I know the hearing loss world, but a lot of other special needs that we don't deal with in our home, I don't have. But I guess I have been in this world long enough that I just ask the parent, like, hey, how do you want me to, uh, like, talk about this with you? Like, you know, what, like, language do you want me to use around your child? You know, but I, you know, like I said, have been dealing with, like, special needs for years, for seven years, at least. So I know to ask those questions to other parents when I don't know and take their lead, but other people don't know to ask those questions. So I think giving them a job, like, when this, you know, you can, you know, talk one at a, at a time that helps your child like hear better when not everyone is talking at one time, you know, you can, when my child is like, kind of having a uh, like meltdown or having, you know, trouble with this, like, this is what you can do in that moment and giving them a job and tell and giving them like an action item. And you know, it's just positive. Mm-hmm. And just to add on to that too, if you know, okay, we have, we're going to this house for Christmas. I, in the past have sent out a quick email and just said, Hey, everybody, we're so excited to see you just so that, you know, you know, just to give you some forewarning, we're dealing with this tick. It looks like this, please don't draw attention to it. It makes it better. If you don't talk about it, the more you talk about it, the more it's going to happen. We may have to leave early. And sometimes if you know in advance, then you can sort of head off the uncomfortable questions as well, because then once they get there and you notice, okay, oh, they're seeing that happening, but they're not saying anything because they already know. So that's another good idea too, is if you know in advance, you can prepare people 
and sort of just skip past the whole problem of people coming up with awkward questions. So there's that too. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I think that's a fantastic idea. And yeah, just the communication, you know, I think a lot of parents who have special needs kids, we want to blend in and we don't because we're always asking for like accommodations for our kids. And so I think if there's times that we think we don't have to ask, like we don't want to, because we're always rocking the boat. We always feel like we're rocking the boat. We're the ones asking for the special this, the special that. And, you know, I think sometimes if you can, you want to try to blend in and just like go with the flow, you know, so you go to Christmas and you kind of like grin and bear it, you know, or go to Thanksgiving, grin and bear it, just like deal with it with the kids. Um, but it makes it really hard and kind of not a fun holiday for you. And so I love that you also said, to head off the questions, you know, earlier, but also set some boundaries and just be honest with like, this is going to work for our family. And this is not going to work for our family. So one of my, so my middle child who uses ASL, he also is ADHD and he has the hyperactive type, which we've known for like a really long time. It runs in my family, but I just kind of, kind of, helped my mom at this Thanksgiving. So we usually go to a restaurant for Thanksgiving and that has been super stressful because I have three young kids also. And so three young kids, we're trying to get them all fed. I have one who's ADHD who will only sit at the table for so long, even like with an iPad or something, because he has to get up and start like running around the restaurant. Everyone's being loud. You know, we're like stuffing down our food, <laughs> you know, and I finally, you know, we just said, can I just go to your house this year? You know, we can like, you know, if you don't want to cook, that's totally fine. Can we like buy something from a restaurant? You know, it's not like about like the food or anything. Cause obviously we've been going out to a restaurant, but it's just so much more stressful right now to try to take my kids out to a restaurant and like no one is having fun. And my mom isn't either because she's trying to help me and my husband. <laughs> With right. the kid, you know, the kids and, you know, there, there will be a time, like I said, they're also young. So when we get older, yeah. And so this year we're just going to go to her house and just have, you know, a casual Thanksgiving at her house, which my kids love. Her house is set up for my kids. It has toys there, you know, okay. and they can run around and be loud. And so that was finally, but I have been doing this for like three years since going to this restaurant and we'd all been trying my, you know, my mom had been trying with me and this year we were just like, yeah, I think this is not worth it. Like right now, <laughs> not worth the money that we're paying. We're not getting the enjoyment out of it. And Thanksgiving is just really stressful and I'm exhausted and stressed out at the end. Yeah. So I think setting those like communication boundaries of this is like a situation that's going to really work for us. We may have to leave early, you know, and this is how we can help everyone like have a better time, more enjoyable time. And it, it you can really enjoy it with your family too, when you're not so stressed out about trying to make your children like behave in a certain way. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think letting go of expectations in particular of what holidays should look like. When I started to just give myself grace to do that, it changed everything, you know, cause I think I remember trying to get the kids all dressed up for like the Santa photos and we did that for several years and I'm glad we did, but it was so stressful, you know, and you think Thanksgiving in particular, you want to enjoy your family. You want to have time together and relax and eat some yummy food and have fun. And so anything you can do to make that happen, because that's the end goal, you know, like going out to the restaurant, that's a fun thing to do, but 
I think just challenging, like, this is how it should look, but maybe that's not the best for our family. And what's going to be the best for our family? And in the end, it's always so much better. Maybe it's not the traditional, it's like, you know, trick-or-treating. I say this all the time to people about trick-or-treating. It was so hard for our kids. One child could not stand the feeling of costumes. And so some of those things that you think are like rites of passage for children in particular, your kids will survive if they don't ever go trick or treating or if they can't do specific things, you know, and, and it's not only better for them in the end, but it's better for you because you now get to relax and enjoy your family and your kids feel comfortable and it's just a better experience overall. But I think, you know, we get these, the pressure from society to have these certain things because you see it on Instagram. Everybody's taking these fall family photos. We haven't taken a family photo in a very long time. I think we'd, we'd probably be fine to do it at this point, but you just think like, well, this is what you're supposed to do, but everything's different, you know? And so the more you can sit down and take that time to think, but what is really good for us instead of just randomly going with what you think is good for you maybe that's not what you should be doing at all and it'll bring so much more peace to your family when you figure out what's right for you you know so I think that's so important yeah and I love that we're having a conversation about this because really it's also about letting other parents know that they're not the only ones like skipping trick-or-treating you know you know just like you said social media everybody's like posting their costumes and stuff which is awesome if you can do that and not every child is like equipped to do that. And, you know, Halloween's mm-hmm. never been, I hate like scary stuff. <laughs> I'm very, I've, I like love like the day after Halloween until like, like Christmas, let's say like January 5th. Cause I like don't actually celebrate three Kings day or epiphany, but we're like, you know, I, I like to like keep the tree up till then <laughs> and do a little bit. So I love the holiday season. I hate like hate scary stuff. I literally cannot even watch TV commercials this time of year. Like I can't watch the like commercials for the scary movies. So like from, you know, and, you know, so I enjoyed dressing up and getting candy, but it wasn't one of my like favorite memories from childhood, you know, so it's not, it's not the only thing that you're ever going to do with your child and you can have like other memories and other core memories. And, you know, I love just, having a community where we can say, Hey, we're not the only ones, or you're not the only ones that this doesn't work for that. There are other people that this doesn't work for. We need to do this at Thanksgiving or this at Christmas, you know, and there's kind of a wide spectrum of people who do different things instead of just seeing the same stuff that we see on social media. Um, Which brings me to what I would love to talk about. And what we talk about a lot on here is like finding a community. I was Mm. wondering, um, because your postcards do such a great job of like, bringing a community to parents who may not like have a local community of other parents who are like dealing with the same thing that they are dealing with with their kids but we talk a lot about about finding a community of other parents who have like kids with the same special needs because you just understand each other and can support each other I would love to know were you able to find like a support system for like other parents who had kids that had Tourette's like for, you know, something locally, something online, were you able to do that? Yeah. So we were very lucky that our, our child's team had mentioned that there was a Canada wide support group, Tourette Canada. 
And so we did attend for a few years there. It's sort of, I don't think we have one in our area at the moment, but an in-person group. And I could not, uh, I don't know. I feel like <laughs> I'm not necessarily um, keen on dumping my whole emotional life story in a, a group of strangers, right? It feels sort of intimidating to think of just walking into a room and bursting into tears, right. talking about your, the hard time you're having. But we had gone to this group and just, again, because we had no idea. I never, I'd never even seen someone in real life with a tech. So I, I just, it was so out of my wheelhouse of knowledge that we were just desperate to see anybody else. And how do we help our kids through this? And so we had met a great group locally and I couldn't believe hearing their stories, how similar it was to ours. And of course there's, you know, they have different comorbids than we do and nothing's ever identical, but just the overarching theme of like, so how do you deal with this? And one mom in particular, I just clicked with her so well. And I just thought she was quite a few years ahead of where we were. And having somebody who was a little bit further down the road that I could say, how did you handle this? What did you do for this? And for her to say, well, we did this. And and just to see her older son surviving through it. And, you know, we had heard particularly around puberties when things are probably at their worst. And so he was older and just to see that he was in school and he had friends and he was okay. And, and that meant so much to us to see that past that hump, things were going to be okay. And I just remember thinking, even on those first few weeks when we had no idea that I wanted to, at some point, be able to turn around myself and help other moms coming up behind us because it was just invaluable. And I think the first thing I always tell people to do is find a support group if you can. I know there's lots of rare diagnosis out there right now, but of other people who have the same, if possible. And then the next thing from there is I love to have an online community. That's why I created, I have a private Facebook group called Never Alone. And so that's for just anybody who's looking for online support. And then the Dear Mama mail is for the physical mailbox. So it's in my mind, I'm just trying to capture every possible mom, you know, the mom who's completely isolated and isn't able to get out to a support group and but I think if there's any common theme among all of us, it's the loneliness and the isolation. And I think to tell someone you're not alone in this and feeling this way and having these questions and dealing with these weird situations. And like we said, the, you know, what people are saying to you, just to know that it's not just you makes such a big difference. And so anywhere you can plug into a community, whether you can go in person, whether that's too much and you need to do something at home. Find a way to have someone speak life into your life, especially on those hard days. It's invaluable. Yeah. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And so I just attended a conference as for the organization Hands and Voices, and it is an organization for parents of deaf and hearing kids and like the professionals who work with them. So that's who was at the conference. So I was going to as a parent. And um, one of the takeaways from that conference was that parents like are more successful in parenting, like their special needs kids and have like less stress and less anxiety when they are guided by another parent. So, and wow. it's actually more important because they, they like did a whole study, this organization did, it's actually almost more important for the parents to be guided by like another parent who, like you said, is just a little further along than being guided by a professional. 
because wow. and cer- certainly I would say like the professionals like give you the research based inf- information that you need to like make the right decisions right. or the decision that works for your family. So they definitely have a place. I don't want to <laughs> tell professionals you don't matter because you definitely do. But you but professionals just are connecting with parents differently than parents connect with parents. And there are definitely I mean, I remember when I first got the hearing loss diagnosis from like a newborn with my first one, you know, which we weren't expecting the first people that I wanted to talk to was like another parent because you have questions like, you know, how, like, how does this show up in like your daily life, you know, which professionals can't, you know, really answer for you. I mean, they can answer based on, you know, what they hear from other parents, but they get like a snapshot of your kid. You know, they see your kid like once a week for speech therapy or maybe twice a week. And it's just like a small snapshot and other parents can really tell you, okay, this is like what you really do. (laughs) And also this is how it shows up and in your home and in your life, like every day, like the rest of the time that you're not at the speech therapist for an hour or so. So yeah, so they had strong research to show that being guided or supported by another parent could arguably be like more important than just connecting with professionals, which is what you're saying here. And I've heard a lot of other parents like talk about as well. So I love that. And I love that that is what you're doing, that you created a community. So your community is for parent or parents of any type of special needs. Yeah, any type of diagnosis, as long as you're parenting a child with a diagnosis. And we Mm -hmm. have, it's locked down because I want it to be a safe place for people who are actually in it. So yeah, everybody there is, is parenting a child with something. So yeah. I love that. And do you guys, you know, if someone wanted to join the group from the audience, how would they join that? We'll definitely link that into the show notes. And hey, what do you guys do? Do you guys have like meetings? Is it just like a space for parents to like ask questions? Kind of, you know, give us a little bit about like what they could expect if they join that group. Yeah. So we generally have some kind of a monthly theme and I will go live usually the first week of the month just to chat about things. And then several times throughout the week, I put up posts of how's your week going? We do a monthly audit of like, what was the best thing about the month? And it's really just a a place to ask questions, ask advice, celebrate your successes to vent because everybody needs a place to be able to do that, especially in a understanding environment. Um, So yeah, it's just, yeah, a place to meet other people who are on the same journey, whether it's the same story, you know, same storyline. Yeah, I love that. And I would love to talk and know all about your postcards, because I think this is just a unique way to get in touch with the special needs community that other people like haven't done yet. Um, Because certainly like online is a great way to like reach a lot of people. Um, But the postcards just, I feel like give like a very personal touch because they're delivered right to your home. I think there's still something special about getting mail, you know, like getting something in the mailbox and, you know, it's coming into your home where, you know, you're doing your daily life. It's more of an intimate, you know, connection with someone, I guess, if that makes sense. So I'd love to know, you said the first one, when they sign up, generally the first postcard is about like the diagnosis. What are some of the other ones? And do you like, I've seen pictures on your Instagram, your postcards are beautiful. Do you like design them yourself? You have someone who designed them? Are you an artist? (laughs) 
Yeah. So the, all the photos on the cars up to this point are photographs that I have taken often of our home. We have a little over three acres here and we're right on the edge of a river. So we have just a beautiful, peaceful location. And I always want to find ways to share the peace that we have here with other moms who are, you know, looking for a five minute break. And that's another big part of being on this journey is finding ways to release the valve of pressure. Even if you can't go away for a weekend with your husband, what can you do little bits of time to take care of yourself and bring you back to that positive mindset that is so desperately needed. So that was another reason why I created this thinking it's not expensive. It's like the price of a coffee for a month and it's something you get to keep. You can display it in your house so that you're reminded of it of the month. And it's a way to take care of yourself and give yourself five minutes. It's like you say, to go to the mailbox and get something in the mail. <laughs> These days is exciting, you know, and it's something nice. So I just, I forgot I have some in my desk, so I can even show you a couple. So the way we're doing it is sort of taking you on a journey. So the cards come in a specific order. So I can show you a few of them here. This one, I think this is the first one. I don't have my glasses on. So this is what the first postcard looks like. And this is actually a relic in our backyard, which it was sort of, it, there's still debate over whether it used to be a greenhouse or it's really old. So that's the front of it. And in the back is my little note there. So you can this up on your mirror in your bathroom to remind yourself for the month. You can display it in your living room, you know, so I can show you a few other ones here. This one um, is about having permission to rest. So that's out by our pond. That's I a took that one. right after my brother married here. <laughs> That's a big <laughs> issue. Yeah, that is great that you address that. Yeah, we definitely need to rest and we don't get enough of it. That's for sure. Yeah. Oh, this is about isolation. This was a, a beach near our house photo I took. And so, yeah, it's really just me writing to one person is what I think about it. And I grew up, my mom and my grandmother both. Such a way with words, and we're so encouraging. We still make fun of my mom of like she always finds the perfect greeting card that's like exactly what you need to hear. Yeah. And so I really feel like I'm sort of continuing that tradition of <laughs> using the written word to encourage someone and bring empathy and understanding and just let someone know that you're thinking of them. And so that is my hope with these cards that. It's coming from someone who is in the midst of it. This isn't a situation I went through and now my life's perfect and everything's great. I'm still living this 24 seven every day myself. We have our good days, our bad days, but it's just a voice coming alongside you who understands. And that's my hope is that moms will receive these cards in the mail. And I've, I often get emails and DMs saying your card came today and it was just what I needed to hear today. And that to me is the goal. If I can offer that to someone because I've had people do that for me in our, our support group, you know, of who have said just the right thing or my mom or my grandma who said just the right thing at the right time, you know? So that that's the goal with all of this is just, again, that you're not alone. It's not just you. Yeah. I love that. And what a unique way to kind of carry on, like, I guess a family tradition that maybe you didn't even think was going to be <laughs> a family yeah. tradition, but also use, you know, your creativity and your songwriting and your lyric writing. And you can put that into writing the postcards as well. I think that's just, you know, and help parents along their journey. I love that you're taking them on a journey with the postcards because it sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong, you're go you kind of like backtrack to maybe 
what people are going through when they first found out about the diagnosis and kind of like what they need along the way. So maybe you, it sounds like you thought about, okay, what did I need at this stage? What did I need at this stage? You're kind of taking them on like a linear journey with the postcards. Is that kind of the idea? Yeah, as much as possible. And I think, I mean, I sort of have a running list of all the different topics I want to write a card about. And it's just endless, you know, from guilt, shame, embarrassment, and then the good things of like the the love, the patience you didn't know you had. And there's just a million different topics. So I've sort of tried to lay them out. But yeah, I think, I mean, everything starts at the moment of diagnosis. So that had to be the first one. And then I'm just sort of working through these other themes as I see them come up from moms I talk to and within my own life too, of just that I think are universal for everyone in the special needs community. So that's my hope. Yeah. And can people gift these? Because I am thinking about a couple of things that Christmas is coming up and this would be such a unique and really special, like meaningful Christmas present. If you are one of those people who likes to give experiences to people or, you know, don't like to give more like things, but things, you know, like your presence have a little bit more like intention behind them, which I think a, a lot of people do. This would be a great thing for someone to gift to, you know, a parent, you know, a friend or a family member, if they just found out, you know, that they got a diagnosis or even if they're, you know, in the middle of it, you know, cause like you said, it doesn't stop. You know, and, and there's always like, yeah, th- there's always acceptance throughout the whole, because you're, you know, as your kids grow, you're always coming across, across like different challenges and things you, you know, didn't know as you're like helping them grow into adults. So I think this is definitely applicable, like at any stage of the journey, really. And honestly, um, a lot of parents, I don't think like went through an acceptance of the diagnosis at the beginning, because you're also really busy. I know I didn't until a little bit later because I was just busy, you know, as soon as we got the hearing loss diagnosis with, with everything that had to happen. And I just kind of kept moving. And then I had a second child that had the same syndrome and the same hearing loss. And like, they needed other like physical therapy, occupational therapy that went along with the syndrome. And so, you know, for years I had two kids who needed all this stuff and I just kept going because I kind of had to. So I, I actually don't think I went through that acceptance period until like a few years later, you know, when we kind of got our therapies and things like a little bit more under control. Um, you know, so I think that's definitely applicable because some parents may not have even ever gone through that step and maybe like five years in or seven years in. So can someone gift these to a person? Because maybe like a person doesn't even know that they need these. You know, yeah. maybe it's well, like the perfect thing and they don't know that they need it. Yeah. Well, our, our stories are very similar in that way that we had the first child and then we had a child in between and then the third child. And so you, a lot of those things, the diagnosis, you just don't think of. And so that's why even now I'm still sort of processing and looking back. And that's why I hope this download is helpful for parents who maybe right off the bat want to set boundaries and sort of save through some of those issues, you know? But immediately we said we have to make it available as a gift to someone because going back to that conversation we had earlier of like, what do you say to someone? If you are a listener who has a family member who has a child that has hearing issues or another, you know, diagnosis of some sort, and you don't know what to say, but you want to be helpful and you don't want to, you know, mess up. This is a great way to say, I'm thinking of you is to buy a gift subscription and gifting them that is going to be so we have three different packages three months six months and a year's worth 
So knowing that each month she's going to receive something in the mail that's just for her, that's specifically for her, written for her in mind, that can say things that maybe you don't have the knowledge or the research to be able to. So absolutely, that was one of the first things we were coming up with the whole brainstorm of the idea. We have to be able to have this as a gift option because there's some people who will say to me, I know someone, but I don't, I want to help them, but what do I do to help them that isn't inconveniencing them or saying the yeah. wrong thing? So I think this is a great way to do that. So yeah, there's definitely, there's the option to purchase a subscription for yourself and then there's gift options as well. So you can find that all on the site. Yeah, I love that. So you actually solved a couple of challenges with this. Number one, the like isolation that you know, parents feel when they get the diagnosis. And two, you help solve the family members who are like, what do I do? What do I say? I don't want to say something, (laughs) you know, weird or whatever, or I don't want to, you know, take food over if that's like not convenient is helpful, but you know, maybe, you know, who knows? Yeah. So you're actually helping them out too, (laughs) with both of the things that we talked about, which is fantastic. I love that. Um, Yes. And we're going to definitely link to all that in the show notes and you were so generous and you wanted to give our listeners a discount. Um, so could you tell us what the discount code is um, and like kind of what it is and how to use it? Yeah. So I would love to offer all of your listeners 25% off and all they have to do is put the discount code postcard 25. There should be a little discount box in the checkout there. So pick your subscription, go to the checkout, put the code in and you'll get 25% off. I love that. Thank you so much. I so appreciate you being on the podcast today and just talking with us about, you know, the different um, challenges around being a special needs parent and, you know, working with the family, which is not a conversation we have had yet on the podcast, but I've wanted to have. So I love that we were able to go there with this conversation today. Um, We like to leave our parents with one last thing. So I usually ask my guests if there's one or two (laughs) last like tips or pieces of encouragement or something that you can leave our um, parents with, what would that be? I think probably my best advice other than finding your community and recognizing you're not alone is to remind yourself that you can do this. And I think that's, that's a big one. It's overwhelming. It's difficult. There are going to be days that you think, I don't know how to solve this problem. I don't know if I'm doing a good job, but to recognize that you really are the parent for the child that you have, and you are capable, you're stronger than you think you are. And the more you can get into that mindset of it's going to be hard. There's going to be really bad days, but I know that I can do this. I can give my child what they need. And, you know, we wish we could take it away. We wish we could solve all the problems. Some things we can, some things we can't. But coming in with that mindset will then give you the confidence to set those boundaries, to say to your family, we can't do this. You know, it all comes from that that perspective of, Mother's intuition is a strong thing. And sometimes that's sort of shaky when you realize like, oh, I didn't plan for this. I didn't see this in our future. I didn't think I'd have to handle all these things, but really God has given you what you need. And, you know, it's, I always say it's a match made in heaven. God gave you your child for a reason and you have everything they need and more. So 
take that confidence with you, even on the hard days when you feel like you're messing up and you don't know where to go. You can always turn to God. And that's where my strength comes from. So I hope that your listeners will find that because that's the ultimate resource in my mind. So. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that encouragement and speaking out over our parents today. And thank you so much for being on the podcast. This has been such a fun conversation. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad I was able to be here with you. Gosh, you guys, did you not just love that conversation with Amy? She is such a light to other moms dealing with a special needs diagnosis. And she has found such a unique and beautiful way to connect, almost like she's connecting with you in person. And I just love that she was on the podcast and I could have just kept talking to her. (laughs) She was so encouraging to me personally. Now, here are the takeaways from this podcast episode. Number one, grief and acceptance are all part of the diagnosis process, whether it's a hearing loss diagnosis or another type of special need diagnosis. Number two, it's important to take time to process this diagnosis. And processing time takes a different amount of time for everybody. But going through that processing and acceptance period is important to be able to advocate for your child on the other side of it. Number three, you're constantly reevaluating. So really a diagnosis for your child changes your whole life. And there are constant needs from your children. And as your children grow up and, you know, grow through childhood and into adulthood, you're always needing to reevaluate what's working and what they will need for the future. Number four, have a script to answer questions. So when you get those questions from family members, extended family or even strangers on the street, have a script in mind or like a scripted answer that you can say that is respectful, but setting the boundary to the other person around your children as well. Because it's hard to think in the moment of what to say, especially if your child is you know, having a hard time or you're busy, or if you're like me, just scrambling to keep all three of my children together and not running in three separate directions while talking to a stranger, it's great to have a scripted answer and to even offer to answer their questions at a later time when you have a little bit more time and capacity. Number five, holidays are coming up. When the holidays are here, communicate with your family what will work for your child. Don't just Try to fit in and try to grin and bear it. That will only make it worse for your child and for you, and you won't get to enjoy the holidays. Communicate beforehand with your family members about what will work for your children, when you might have to leave, and what won't work for your family. Number six, one-on-one communication can be really powerful to educating different family members around the diagnosis of your child. So sometimes family members may say something that they don't mean, but they are trying to help and they don't know how to help. But you may be in the middle of, you know, working with your child and can't have an extended conversation. So offer to circle back at a later date and have a one-on-one 
talk with them and, you know, explain a diagnosis and explain what will actually help you and your family at a time when things are more calm and you have more capacity to talk about it. Number seven, remember that most people have not had the education that you have had around your child. So I know whenever our children are first diagnosed with anything, the first thing us mamas do is we go research all the things. We go to Google, we go to Instagram, we go to Pinterest, like wherever, and we get all the information that we can. And then we forget that when other people ask you questions that seem to be insensitive or aren't your preference, we assume that they have had the same level of education and research that we have. And that's often not the case. So give people a little grace in knowing that they are processing your child's diagnosis different and on a different timeline than you are, and that they probably have not researched and have not had the education or experience interacting with someone with special needs or a disability. Number eight. Community is everything. We've talked a lot about this on the podcast, but you know, if you can find a community in person, that is fantastic because having support from parents who have been there before is so powerful to your journey and to help you journey better with your kids. If you can't find an in-person support group, there are tons of support groups on Facebook and online. And Amy's Facebook group, which is free to join, it is private to protect you know, all of the parents who want to share. So she has to let you in, but it is a safe space for families to go and just talk to each other about different special needs diagnosis. So wherever you are in person or online, please find a community that can help support you. That's all I've got for today. I hope you enjoyed these takeaways. If you are loving this podcast, make sure to subscribe so that you never miss a single episode. Please also share this podcast episode with someone who you think needs to hear this. It could be another parent. It could be a family or friend who wants to understand a little bit more about what you might be going through on your side of the diagnosis. And as always, it's so helpful to our podcast if you rate and review it. It just pushes us up a little bit more in the algorithm so that more parents can find this information in all of these great interviews that they need to have. All right. I will see you again soon. Have a great week. Don't forget to follow Amy at Amy Sullivan on Instagram or at Dear Mama Mail on Instagram. We'll link both of those into the show notes. And Amy was so generous to give our community a discount code to have your first few postcards delivered to you. If you go to DearMamaMail.com, Choose what type of postcard that you want to have and then type in card 25. You will get 25% off your first purchase. I will also link that into the show notes. Please follow her and get into Amy's circle because she is so encouraging. And I think will just help you so much. And she has such an important community.